Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Work in Progress. This is Sim. This is Co. And we have an amazing guest and a really interesting topic that we are going to delve into today. Uh, so Co. Yesterday we are graced with Pratap Raju. He's the founding partner of the Climate Collective Network, a non-for-profit that's based on unleashing the innovation and entrepreneurial talents of people in South Asia. He's been in the climate and clean tech space since 2019 and been a pioneer um, in solar from the early days of the National Solar Mission. And he's pivoted to supporting climate and clean tech startups throughout South Asia. I, of course, have been introduced to him very differently. Uh, I happened to see his talk, I think, in 2018. And ever since then, have been following him and a lot of the work that he's put up and has been very inspirational. So I'm very, very grateful that um, he's agreed to come with us. There's, of course, a lot more things that he's done, but we're going to get into it in the podcast. But thank you so much for coming and welcome to this episode. No, thank you. Thank you both for inviting me. I always love this opportunity to talk to people about what we do, what we all can do yes. when we're talking about climate and climate action. Yeah. No, 100%. So I think uh, we one thing that when we were researching and I was seeing your LinkedIn profile and I was just researching about your company and everything, there was one phrase that really stood out to me. So Ko, after meeting Ko and the work she does, I've learned a lot about how design as a whole can impact a lot in life, whether it be designing a plan, a structure, uh, anything. So when you say redesign the future, so what do you mean by that? Well, there's a, a famous saying that you can't, uh, if you redo the same thing with the same thinking, mm-hmm. you'll get the same result. So, yeah. And that is a big problem that we face, especially when we talk about our world, not just, for example, our economic structures and our social structures, but also how it interacts with the environment. Yeah. So um, we are a solution-oriented kind of organization, and I am. Um, I do believe we can find solutions. Sometimes I do think we we take an inc- incremental approach. Yeah. So what I mean is that, okay, it's a, it's a little better battery, it's a little less plastic on the packaging, that's great, and these yeah. are things that we need to do. But if we're facing what could be an existential threat yeah. in climate change, not just climate change and loss of biodiversity from you know, the plastics problem, et cetera, mm-hmm. sometimes we may have to think differently. Sometimes we have to think, well, instead of incrementally, what, what fundamentally does it, may need to change? And these are things, for example, an example I always use is we could, uh, of course, electrify our fleet, our transport, mobility in cities, which we do need to do. But we don't ask these questions even, well, what if we don't even need cars? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And of course, we need transport and mobility, but we maybe we don't need cars. And what that, would that mean? That future looks very different. That future looks very different. It takes a lot of uh, deeper thinking and mm-hmm. and to some degree, a lot of risk taking. Like today, if an entrepreneur or someone else wants to make a change like this mm-hmm. and the whole world is against you. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you start? Yeah. You know, where do you find funding? Where do you find all of stakeholders? It's a lonely journey sometimes. But these are some um, where we may see. A lot of innovation is is needed yeah. um, as, as time runs out. Yeah. And uh, talking about journey, would you like to, you know, we would actually love if you could double click on yours and how you've, you know, pivoted from your job in JP Morgan to what you're doing now with funding, you know, being in the climate ecosystem and the, the, like pioneering the climate tech space and, you know, working with different entrepreneurs. Would you elaborate a bit on your 
yeah. personal journey. Right, right. It's um, <laughs> it's been a little over two decades, mm-hmm. and when I look back, uh, I can't believe certain things. Um, I'm not a naturally. I'm kind of a shy person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm an introvert, but I took a lot of risks in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I grew up in the U.S. Right. Uh, so after uh, college. I did what most middle-class people did. If you had an opportunity to get a high-paying job, mm-hmm. I did. So I joined Wall Street. And uh, it was, um, I don't think I've ever gotten paid so much, um, at least at that stage, and hated my work. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's sort of what I realized. After a few years, I left, um, went to get a master's in development from Oxford. And I said, I want to be in development. Yeah. Right? I want to do something that was more meaningful than what I was doing at the uh, investment bank. Yeah. So I moved to India thinking, okay, this could be a good place to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. I uh, showed up in Bombay. Yeah. First day in Bombay, uh, coming from New York, I was on this um, car and I was driving. This is my first day. I was driving. I said, I'm going to learn to drive here. <laughs> and I saw this bus literally get onto the, uh, the median in the middle. I was like, Oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> 20 years later, nothing's changed. Nothing. <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. Th- that day I loved I said, this city is for me. Right. So then I, but I didn't know what to do. So I said, well, what do people do in India? I've been reading about this IT boom in the 90s. Yeah. So I said, I have to be an IT entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So um, that was 2001. And I was the only IT entrepreneur in India in 2001 to fail. Everybody wow. else succeeded. Nobody wow. told me it was easy, yeah. but it was for, I think, for everyone few, but me. Yeah. So I, I learned uh, a hard lesson. Sometimes it looks easy from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So that I'm stuck in Bombay, not stuck. I, I'm in Bombay and I want to stay. I don't like finance. Is this when you accidentally got into producing films? I was forced to. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I didn't like finance. I wasn't good at IT. <laughs> You're in Bombay, so films are screaming. So uh, a friend of mine who was an ad film director, we started writing a script. And this was 2002. Um, (laughs) Multiplex films, uh, theaters were just coming in. And it was kind of, you know, now think about it, kind of silly. Someone with no film background. I didn't speak any Hindi. I'm um, I'm South Indian. Um, All family spoke Telugu, etc. I'm in Bombay, and I said, why not? I like films. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize how silly it sounds today, but it was fun. Yeah. No, it was fascinating when we even read it. So we, it was 100, 100% something we wanted to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 14 months into starting to write, our film was in the theater. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was a, it was a romantic comedy called Bas Yung Hi, Nandita Das, Purup Kohli. 14 months, best experience of my life. Oh, I did wow. highs and lows, Everything. running out of money, you know, uh, yeah. you know, getting stuck in uh, distribution, everything. Uh, but it was, it was amazing. The first day my, my uh, partner and I went to the uh, first day for a show just to hear people. A group of women came out and one person said this was such an amazing film. Wow. Second person said that was the most boring thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And that that encapsulates the experience, yeah. you know. And I realized for myself, uh, that's what I wanted. I didn't. I wanted to. Do, I like that risk. I like the highs and lows. Uh-huh. And when I look back, I think um, that's why I took the kind of risk that I did. But, yeah. I did stay in films and TV uh, ad films, I should say, for about seven years. Mm-hmm. So we were famous. Um, 
for our, uh, our biggest uh, ad films were those, you know, those Harpic toilet cleaning ads? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, in Verma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Those were real. Yeah. So we've seen toilets across India, yeah. across South Asia. Yeah. Um, housewives did not know we were yeah. going to show up and yeah. we had to get the just the right toilet. <laughs> the recall value of those ads is When, when the knock on the door and the door opens and then you'll go check the yeah. toilet. Yeah. It, it has to be dirty, but not too dirty. <laughs> that was, uh, I remember that. It was great, um, but it was a tough business, yeah. uh, um, advertising a- as well as uh, films. Financial crisis came. And I said I should move on. Yeah. You know, it was just not. We're not able to grow beyond being a small production house. Mm-hmm. So I got into solar. Right. Uh, as a banker, I was actually in power and gas. Yeah. So oh, okay. solar came out. National Solar Mission two thousand nine. Yeah. And I said, great. Could be a great opportunity. I like solar. Yeah. You know, I That's like... really cool though, because we were talking about it. And when we saw your journey, like 2008 was the, like you said, the financial crisis. Everyone is going through so much economically, like as community, etc. And then you make this switch to solar. But at the time, I feel personally, not many people were talking about it or put that much importance into it. So like you were getting into it, but like what drew you to solar and wind power, etc.? I think it was the novelty, mm-hmm. uh, something exciting, something good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I didn't feel connected to to the planet or, or Earth right. because of solar. People used to come to me and say, wow, it's so noble what you're doing. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm <laughs> trying to sell solar at this price, make it at that yeah. price and connect click- and collect the difference. Yeah. yeah. So It, I, it was I, a business. This it was a business. Yeah. It was a good business. Yeah. I wasn't selling tobacco and I know it's good but I didn't feel it in my heart right during that period I did have a couple of boys uh, two kids they're nine and ten now and when I um, left solar um, we were a good solar developer but uh, when the bigger players came in all the mid-sized people basically went bankrupt so I had to sell my assets and I said what should I do and I had to, you know, this three-year-old and four-year-old, and I'm thinking, well, what's going on in this world? And yeah. that's when the world, the planet, environment started meaning something for me. Not yeah. for me personally, for- directly, but really seeing my two little boys. Like what oh, is that the switch f- came at yeah. that point in time. Yeah. And like I was, what's the world they will grow up in? And yeah, because yeah, when sometimes for yourself, you think you'll manage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you do things for others that you care about, you look at things differently. Right, different, like when you yeah. think of someone's safety, you may think of it more than your own safety when you do something. Absolutely. So I started Climate Collective in 2016. And just like some of the other um, businesses, when we started Multiplex Films, there were very few. Mm-hmm. I think we were the third one out. Right. Solar, I think we we're like the you know one of the first five or six solar developers. Right. Even Climate Collective, when we started working with clean tech startups in 2016, the reaction was, "Why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. This is not for startups. It's for government. It's for CSR. Yeah. It's not yeah. something that you, that startups and can do." And especially in India, I think the at that time even. The way I like discovered was from that small Y2K event and it was all new for me. And you didn't hear that much chatter about it at all. Like maybe globally, yes, but in India it was a very early, you know, stage for this to happen. So I think you must be one of the first climate tech startups or collective in that sense to happen to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was tough at the beginning as a result. Yeah. But I've learned also when you're doing something, it was a nonprofit. It is a nonprofit. Yeah. I mm-hmm. When you're doing something because you want to make make some impact, yeah, 
the fact that people around you didn't support you or, or at least were not aligned to yet right. yeah. uh, actually gave you that extra energy. Yeah, you definitely see climate tech as a buzzword being pushed around a lot in the past one, two years, I guess. But if you had to explain to someone, like, what does climate tech mean? Like, what's the amalgamation, sorry, of the two? Yeah. What, how would you explain that? So most people, I think, today have heard of climate change uh, and maybe broadly, you know, um, you know, when someone says climate, they're talking about the environment and, mm. of course, it's global so warming. <laughs> so get hot and hotter <laughs> each year. So that is, that's, and when, when most of the time when people say climate, you probably think activism or a kind of a campaign policy, mm-hmm. all these changes, awareness. We need to, you know, like in my kid's school, they're teaching kids about mm-hmm. plastic at an early right. age, so education, et cetera. Mm-hmm. All that is needed. All that is good. Yeah. So climate tech is a small portion of the activity. It's a growing portion where you can leverage technology mm-hmm. to do the same. Right, to reach a sustainability goal. A lot of this activity is happening with startups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, in the beginning, a lot of technology was, was stuff like solar. Mm-hmm. When I started solar, uh, we used to sell solar at about nine rupees per kilowatt hour. Right. Now it's at wholesale, it's like two, 2.2 rupees, right. well below the grid, well below the cost of coal. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so for a lot of people... This happened in a blink of an eye. Yeah. I mean, this hasn't hit our, consci- our consciousness that solar has won. Yeah. In India, last 10 years, 90% of our new power plants are solar awesome. and wind. Yeah. In the U.S., 90% of um, new power plants, again, are renewables or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And across the world, we've yeah. won. Yeah. And it's happened very quickly. Yeah. So we are making progress in this fight, uh, this bigger fight for climate. Climate tech does a lot of other stuff. It's the technology side. For example, all these solar plants we have in India now, mm-hmm. I think 60,000, 70,000 megawatts. Well, we're starting to put it in areas where, for example, water is less. Mm-hmm. So how do we create solar plants that, reco- that can use less water? Right. So robotic cleaning solutions that use less water. How do we take that same solar plant and make it more efficient? Mm-hmm. So data analytics can help. Etc. But climate tech is even bo- more beyond just solar. It could be, you know, we see an EV mm-hmm. uh, transitions that are happening even in India. Yeah. I can't remember these numbers, but tw- uh, 10 to 20 lakh autos are already electric autos yeah. today mm-hmm. yeah. in India, um, which means it makes money for the rickshawala today. Yeah. So 10 to 20 lakh mean, will mean several crore literally in the next two, three yeah. years. So yeah. it's amazing to see the what's happening in, in different areas. Yeah. yeah. And I think that also, I mean, from what we know in terms of policy has been pushed forward quite a bit, right? Especially with solar, EV. I'm, I might be mistaken. I'm sure there might be other fields as well. But I think that sort of mushroomed the entire industry forward. Uh, but I still think there's some amount of dissonance in the consumer side of things right i think that the space you come from you're working with entrepreneurs but with consumers there's so i have an ev and we uh, worked with an ev brand and we had to do this research and a lot of people are still scared Mm -hmm. you know is this um is this firstly worthwhile cost wise is this actually going to make a difference there's all of these calculations that come into place so 
do you have to you know as a as an entrepreneur funding and working with other entrepreneurs do you have to deal with these sort of issues or is it very much b2b in that sense and uh, um, before answering that climate tech is is a broad term for a whole oh, bunch of solutions yeah. Yeah. it could be personal consumption products for example more and more of our for example cosmetics comes from sustainable yeah. um, so um, sources yeah. more of our chemicals for uh, consumption, we're seeing alternatives to meat come Correct. out in India, uh, yeah. uh, you know, um, alternative pro- protein. We also have the B2B, which is business to business, where you're selling to a, uh, of course, a corporate. Yeah. India, too, is, today is mostly a B2B market. Right. Yeah. And there's a reason for that is right. it's expensive. Yeah. For now, today, if I said, would the average person in India buy a sustainable product mm-hmm. in a shop? Which which had a twenty to forty percent premium, mm-hmm. probably not. Yeah. Right. Would a business today buy a, a sustainable product, a business solution that saves them money? Yes. yes. And yeah. that is what yeah. we're seeing. And in yeah. the case of EVs, for example, there's a reason why uh, autos are going electric, mm-hmm. fleets, corporate fleets are going electric, Correct. but not passenger vehicles. Correct. It's a slower uptake. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's okay. Uh, sometimes we want things to happen across the board. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that things are moving, it'll it'll reinforce each other. I see this electric feet, fleet. I see, for example, Blue Smart, yes. yeah. you know, which is yeah. electric. And yeah. all of a sudden, this consciousness. It's in my purview. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. just talking about like uh, the uptick within the personal consumer space, etc. There was a paper we had read, a Yale paper, which came out, I think, a month ago. It was climate change and the Indian mind. Yeah. And something like mm-hmm. the stats really shocked me. It said that only 9% of people in India say they know a lot about global warming and climate change and 35% have never heard of it. Like, honestly, personally, I think we have seen a lot of conversations surrounding it. Little by little, we are seeing, okay, those green uh, car tags, we know that this car is EV. We are seeing a lot of conversations surrounding it. So I didn't personally resonate with that. But since you're in this space, do you think there is still a long way to go for people to like understand what climate change is? Or another way to look at it, I was thinking about it, like, okay, people are seeing that it's becoming hotter. They are witnessing that change, but they don't know maybe the verbiage to it. So do you think the, so I guess it's two parts. The question that, do you think that people are aware there is that much dissonance? And do you think they know, but they don't have the verbiage? And is that verbiage important? So I think that you're talking about Yale does this amazing work in India on the the communication side, of course, of climate change. Yes. So someone is uh, in, I've seen earlier studies, climate change as at least a phrase, no pollution. Yes. 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 As an example. And I have a nice story. One of my uh, uh, aunts, I'm from a small village outside of Vishakapatnam. Mm -hmm. She doesn't speak any English. She's never, she still lives in uh, our village in the home. And I was visiting a few years ago and she said, don't go and buy the vegetables there. Mm -hmm. They're not organic. Uh. (laughs) Now what she meant was, yeah. There's a lot of chemicals people yeah. are putting in. Yeah. So, uh, for example, she may not be able to define yeah. organic the way I would, mm-hmm. but she knows something is happening something in terms of ha- the environment. And in this case, coming into products that she purchases, mm-hmm. that it's something's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think first is um, um, there's a greater awareness if uh, uh, across India, one. Mm-hmm. Whether the community, whether we can communicate it well, that's the challenge that we're learning right now. Yeah. And for example, how to find the words, find the voices. Mm-hmm. Maybe podcasts like this can, yeah. you know, as it grows, yeah, it will help. 
no cuz honestly like comp- companies government etc they are talking a lot about it but like are they able to like appropriately not appropriately but like are they able to communicate it to the people are the people being able to resonate that okay yes this vegetable which might have a have more chemicals is connected to what they are talking on a larger level yeah yeah oh, i don't know that <laughs> yeah that's a very yeah. <laughs> but actually wanted to uh since you mentioned like conversations like this might help something that we really resonated with is you know in in your description for climate collective you say you work with a lot of women entrepreneurs and you want to spotlight them so is that is there a reason why of course we know that there is underrepresentation but specifically for climate is there a reason yeah. as to why that's like one of the values or mission or you know ambitions right right right, right. Um, so our mission overall is to increase the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. that's uptake that's uh that's happening locally yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we believe that as a result we'll be able to see action on the ground I'll give an example I was in uh, Berkeley mm-hmm. at Berkeley Labs and I was meeting someone and they had built this beautiful microgrid okay this was 2016 it was oh, like you know fancy yeah. etc then I was then I came back to India my cousin was at the nodal agency for renewables mm-hmm. I said look at this solution yeah. I found yeah. and he said you know the biggest problem we face with microgrids at least in in Andhra Pradesh uh, people steal the copper wires oh oh right now i'm not saying anything about that as a you know yeah. a, a moral value and it's just it, like a consideration you wouldn't make and that's that's sort of where the idea of climate collective came is how can someone sitting 6000 or or 16000 kilometers away understand how to build a solution have it uptake uh, uh taken up in locally mm-hmm. in, in let's say in india or our markets here right so that's sort of our mission is to get yeah. local entrepreneurs Uh-huh. The second thing is that um, uh, I'm, we're not a gender uh, equality nonprofit, meaning that's not our hmm. uh, impact. It's one of our things that we wish that will happen. Mm-hmm. We actually look at women in another way, just as we look at uh, inclusion in terms of regions. Mm-hmm. Okay. We need entrepreneurs in, you know, in, yeah. in Northeast India because people who are who are closest. will understand Then. and have the nuances yeah will be the best entrepreneurs yeah. or be the best in the entrepreneurial ecosystem yeah you know yeah. it's true like for women play a big role in many ways mm-hmm. especially in uh, particular areas and particular like uh, consumption decisions mm-hmm. now why would i think that um, um, we should not figure out how to get more women mm-hmm. to be at least looking at entrepreneurship or supporting entrepreneurship because all this insight is what you need is, as an entrepreneur yeah. it's not money yeah you know you you know um, you can have all the money in the world and still fail yeah. it's insights correct that that drive for example successful yeah. solutions products and eventually businesses yeah tapping the decision makers right yeah and we see so at least in climate i believe something this is true outside of india especially but something about climate more women gravitate to as entrepreneurs than mm-hmm. maybe some of the other nice. domains yeah. especially circular economy majority of our yeah. entrepreneurs are women mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken in our in circular economy which is a, the plurality of the startups we support right. as well right. since you mentioned circular economy just like for people for people may, who may not understand what that term is could you just explain it in a few words Yeah, yeah. Circular economy. Um, 
the simplest way. <laughs> I, <don't know>. okay. <laughs> I have a, maybe I'll start with a question. Yes. What's the biggest circular economy startup that you know about globally? It's also big in India. Um, oh. <laughs> and you may have said the word one time or a hundred times last year. The brand, consumer brand. So it's not like a back end, like a wholesale yeah. brand. It's something that. It's in your. F- in your face. The biggest circular economy startup. It's a, it was a startup. Now it's, of course, a big, big organization. There's two or three. This is a very informal question I always ask. Yeah. Um, I, I, do, I know a lot of companies who practice circular economy, but I don't. I don't. Uh, Ola. Oh, Uber. wow. What does Ola and Uber do? They take existing stock, in this case cars, and say, we don't need to manufacture more taxis. Let us take our existing stock, put it into use, right. extend life, etc., and that reduces the materials you need to uh, right. bring into the uh, ecosystem. Right. Another example is, um, you know, things like Airbnb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What do they do? Yeah. Well, why build more hotels when so you have many houses, yes. second homes, mm-hmm. or sometimes homes when you're on vacation? Mm-hmm. So that's I like I like to explain circular economy in, in yeah. these examples because then people start to yeah see, make the connect. Yeah, it doesn't sound like well uh, the use <laughs> of resources, productive you you know extending the yeah. life of resources. Okay, but uh, there are a lot of circular economy business models that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll give you another one that's kind of in a related. Um, example is we do a lot with plastic waste, mm-hmm. plastic waste solutions. Alternatives of plastic, you can make packaging from anything, waste, <laughs> yeah. agro waste, uh, anything, literally. Yeah. Okay, and people are, expo- we have we have dozens of good startups in this space. Right. They're still looking for scale, but, you know, you need to pilot and get acceptance from customers. There's another set of entrepreneurs looking at, you know, solving this problem, let's say packaging through reuse, right. which means... Not a package that you dispose, even if it's good to dispose and it's biodegradable, but what if I just collected the package back, washed it, and brought it back into the system? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's an example of circularity. Right. Uh, and you may see more and more examples here in India Popping as we up. see. A hundred percent, yeah. I there's think reuse the packaging. Newer age brands, I'd say newer companies, it's in the ethos from day one that we have to ensure X, Y, Z. And then there are larger companies where it is a mandate. Then there are the few, I feel like the mid-sized ones that are struggling a bit because they don't have scale and they then they don't have like maybe the panache for it. Uh, but this brings me to the uh, a bit of a provocative <laughs> discussion. Because <Hit> <laughs> well, I said big corporations. Obviously, greenwashing is a huge problem that happens globally. And I feel there's a lot more chatter in the EU, in the UK, in the US here. I I think there's a lot of chatter, but we still don't call it greenwashing. Uh, From my understanding, I think there are just two companies, Tata and Mahindra, who've said that we want to be net neutral. They've put a date to it. Mm -hmm. What is your take in the India ecosystem, but also Southeast Asia or South Asia? What is your take on the extent of it and yeah. Right, right. And it's something that uh, is very troubling uh, yeah. for sure because we want progress and, and sometimes it's confusing. I think we've done some study. We run a large program called Climate Challenges Live mm-hmm. that works with corporates. And I think there was about 95 Indian corporates that have made a net zero uh, commitment Clean. of some yeah. sort. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's a large number and it's growing. So right. that's, that's I think it's beyond just these two. It's actually quite a bit of corporate yeah. India. 
Now, greenwashing is a little tricky. Now, uh, I know we were doing some work for some, I won't mention who, an oil, oil and gas company. Mm -hmm. They wanted an impact measurement tool for their green startups. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw an email last week um, sent to us saying, why are you doing this? This is such a bad company. And, you know, are you enabling right. some sort of basically greenwashing, mm -hmm, helping yeah. them? Yeah. The first thing is we were giving them a tool to support their activities in green mm -hmm. and green um, uh, startups. So that's, that's one. And this is always tricky. You yeah. know, like, for example, would you take, and I know he, he was based in Europe, would you take money from the Norwegian government? They seem so nice. Mm -hmm. I've never met a uh, not nice Norwegian in my life. <laughs> but they're perhaps the worst per capita uh, enablers of, um, or um, yeah, enablers, facilitators of this greenhouse gas problem that we're facing, mm -hmm. the North Sea oil fields. I mean, right. they're fabulously rich, just like Canada. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they're, you know, we don't, we don't, Talk we kind of have certain villains we mm -hmm. want, but we it will accept. I have a project with USAID. You know, USAID is the biggest oil and gas producer in the world. Right. Is that a, is that a no, no? Are we, yeah. is it a greenwashing that they're doing here while they're continuing to pump oil? Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying I have an answer for this. Mm -hmm. I think people, we need all kinds of yeah. people involved. Some people need to really make sure that corporates as well as governments and others are moving towards what we need immediate, as fast as possible mm -hmm. in the climate solutions Based, to some degree, we just put our head down and say, we will just focus on solutions. It Good doesn't idea. mean we ignore something. Yeah. Now, I'll give an example. Um, and I, I don't know if this is provocative, but we have a big commitment as India under the Paris Agreement. Yes. Correct. Right? And I think now it's about 500 gigawatt yeah. uh, of, of renewables by 2030. Right. 30, yeah. Right. And we, uh, we're, we're growing nicely. I would say that without Paris Agreement... Etc. We still have this commitment, mm -hmm. okay. and because the cost of solar is so, so low, yeah. why would you say today I'm going to take coal, which is twice as much, mm -hmm. right. right? Right. And that was enabled by a lot of innovation in the solar sector. Correct. So what the solution side does, and at least technology side, is saying it's not what it's not what's going to drive our you know kind of all of us going to a um, a, a healthier planet. We need many things. We need more capital. We need need more leaders, not just political leaders. You know, in, in our own communities, etc. So we need people's values to also be aligned. Mm -hmm. What technology does, and the work that we do, uh, and I should say, we support. We support entrepreneurs. We don't. We're not a startup ourselves. Is create those paths to sustainability that are, for example, more cost effective. Yeah. yeah. So if you have that plastic bag that that's made from a biodegradable. Work with them so that it becomes comparable to market prices or yeah. even below, like in the case of solar. Make Help entrepreneurs who can take a solution, take a product, and maybe figure out a solution so that it can be adopted. It'll easy, more easily adoptable and more easy to convince more people to adapt to that type of solution. Yeah. But, right. And I think one way to also put it is like, we do live in a comp complex reality. So it is... You have to, like you said, put your head down and you know you're working towards actions. Uh, so I think that uh, lesser of the two evils is always <laughs> going to happen. But I actually had a question on policies. So I recently read that EU had a policy where if you're making a car, like they are not accepting carbon claims anymore because there's you know, so much, again, chatter about it. So what is your take, A, on that? And B, 
how do the policies in India and as well as like um, emerging markets in, in, in Asia compare yeah. in relation to the carbon market specifically? Uh, this came out like yesterday, day yeah. before. I think yeah. I saw the headline, but I didn't see it in, yeah. in depth. Well, there's when I look at least the solution side, which mm-hmm. is a, you know, products, EVs, um, alternatives to meat. What are all these solutions that people are looking in the in the in the green or, or climate tech sector? There are three three kind of drivers. One is policy, mm-hmm. like you make an example. Uh, another example of policy is our plastic waste problem. Mm-hmm. There's something called EPR, extended producer responsibility, meaning if you cause a problem, mm-hmm. you have to solve it, mm-hmm. right. right? And it right. seems pretty polluter pays principle. Yeah. Right. So EPR policy, government's been doing a good job and putting that in. It's forcing a lot of the corporates, which are, you know, like mm-hmm. F&Bs, uh, FMCGs. These are like big consumer yeah. products uh, yeah. when it comes to uh, uh, plastic waste to think about innovation. Right. So we're seeing policy, for example, drive innovation, Right. right? Uh, the example of corporate India, we're seeing sh- EV shared fleets adopting electric, becoming electric yeah. because the business case makes sense today. Mm-hmm. So market forces as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And the third example is that, uh, and we're not there yet in India, is that you have to have a lot of consumer mm. uh, values to, to the environment. And momentum yeah. as well. Yeah. And momentum behind yeah. it to, yeah. to, you know, it can't just be, um, you. I've seen people, for example, Take a pay something like a more expensive car because there's a quality batch okay. to it, but to a green product, they don't assign the same value and will pay a premium mm-hmm. for the same. It'll come. Yeah. So there are many drivers. These three are the ones that kind of I I kind of use to kind of categorize what's driving people to look at sustainable products. Right. So if policy comes in like in in Europe, um, it's great. I think India is much more difficult mm-hmm. uh, environment. Yeah. What the government is doing, for example, is they're not subsidizing, for example, e, uh, passenger EV to a significant degree, which is why yeah. a EV passenger vehicle is so expensive. Mm-hmm. But they're doing other stuff so that the the two wheeler market, the uh, you know of course uh, uh, rich, uh, the autos become electric, yeah. buses, etc. Yeah. Very smart because it aligns very well with. Um, um, I wouldn't call it aligns with business, but makes it easier for business to take it Propel. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. It's it's a sweet spot that we're focusing on is if I can convince people to do something and it's still positive for them from a business point of view, that's much easier to do from a policy point of view. 100%. That doesn't mean we shouldn't yeah. do other stuff like, okay, it's hard to get people to stop polluting our waters, chemical factories, <laughs> et cetera. We have to do it. Yeah. But we're not a very strong state, as we know, from a regulatory point of view. Um, Europe is much stronger than we are, um, and but I, I I see many things happening that I haven't seen when I first came to India twenty years. Right. Yeah, right. And especially when it comes to things like pollution. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Also, since we are talking about stuff from a global perspective, there's a lot of conversations happening surrounding climate justice and also about how much weight does a developed country versus a developing country versus an underdeveloped country hold in this whole action towards climate change and how to approach that so any thoughts of yours on the same yeah yeah uh, <laughs> this is where i also try to put my head down yeah. i mean it's a such an important topic yeah. and such a hard topic this idea of climate justice is is um uh, of course there's many uh um, greenhouse gases have been coming out let's say for the last 250 years since yeah. the industrial mm-hmm. revolution 
And if you calculate who has been admitting the most, mm-hmm. it's not developing countries. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's, and um, so as a result, who should pay for some of the costs that, that's, that we need to yeah. uh, fund this transition to a green economy or a green world? Yeah. Now, I, what I've seen in, okay, I'm not an expert on COP. I'm mm-hmm. not, actually, I, we only do only a limited amount of policy research. Mm-hmm. What I've seen is that some of these are intractable politically. We're mm-hmm. still not at that level where, you know, you could, you know, it was shocking when four years ago, U.S. pulled out of Paris Agreement. Yes, you yes, know, right. Canada pulled out of Kyoto in 2008 yeah, or something yeah. like this. The politics, the, the yeah. values are not there around and the world. And it overshadows sometimes, like the actual work that people are doing also. Yeah, yeah and we still have to fight for it. But imagine going to, a, a let's say, a France or a, a U.S. and say, Okay, $5,000 every single person you'll have to pay because we owe it to the world. The politics of that is hard. Doesn't yeah. allow you to... Yeah. yeah, it has to still be one overseas. Yeah. And so what I what I what what we do is say, okay, in, in this world that's messy, mm-hmm. yeah, because climate justice is important. You can't expect, especially the poorest countries, to, um, to uh, pull pay the for, same amount of weight that a developed country may have to pull. Yeah. Especially sitting on uh, uh, sitting on this fact that uh, many developing countries are actually more vulner- vulnerable Correct. to mm-hmm. climate change, Correct. even yeah. with hardly being a major uh, uh, emitter themselves over the last two hundred years. Correct. So it's uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, we. I have a, a a question which is a bit like it's it's a parallel question, but it was a thought that I had. Okay, so there's a lot of momentum in India now, right? Like it's the next decade is India's decade. And you know, there's a lot of action happening. I'm not saying in the climate, in general. Hmm. And there's a lot of companies moving their manufacturing here. And hmm. there was this phrase that India is now the manufacturing flow of the world. Do you think while there's so much momentum happening in, you know, and you're contributing to it in, in solving the problem with all of this investment and, you know, uh, you know, boost to the manufacturing sector that we might, we might, if we don't have the policies in place, or if we don't have, you know, solutions in place, we might end up in a bad position 10 years later, just to draw yeah. a parallel with China, for example, they were the manufacturing flaw, but they were very sharp on their climate policy and, you know, enforced it to a certain degree and offset whatever they could. So, do you have thoughts on that? Like, I know it's a complicated question, but... It's a good point. And, um, you know, India is a large emitter today. Yeah. It's not the largest. Of course, yeah. China is the largest, the yeah. U.S. Uh, I can't remember, is India like 4% or something? Or yeah, magnitude, yeah. some 4 or 5%. It's, or, or, it's a big number. There are a lot of people who believe India is the pivotal country. Mm. Now, why is that? Now, if you look at building stock, uh, Europe has a lot of building stock already right. in place. They have a certain amount of population growth. Sure, so they'll have to replace. India, we have these, you know, we're at the stage of development where we could see how many more people move to cities. Yeah. Our building stock could could be 10 times bigger over the next 50, right. 70 years. And there's also this stat that says like 70% of our infrastructure that would happen in the next 30 years hasn't been built yet. So right. either you do it in the right way and then you, or there's a chance that it, you know, doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So, so in that sense, uh, India is pivotal because in terms of the increased amount of infrastructure, right. including manufacturing, new manufacturing facilities, could be the make or break for climate. Right. 
Right. Climate uh, China, of course, is is still a developing country, but they have built tremendous amount of infrastructure. Yeah. They're not gonna. You, you may see that they slow down for obvious reasons. They they actually have quite a bit of <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, built environment. You know, right. uh, I think I saw the stat that said in one year in China, I can't remember which year, two thousand twelve or thirteen. They poured poured more cement in China that year than the U.S. in that hundred years before. Oh wow! That's the amount wow. of infrastructure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now going forward, India may be pivotal for what you're saying. Is yeah. that uh, we're at that stage of development, urbanization, yeah. infrastructure, manufacturing, where if we don't think about this today, yeah, uh, we may be in trouble. Yeah. Ten oh, years later. Yeah, yeah, it's like an infection point. <laughs> Either it's like sunrise, or it's you know could be yeah, which. To me, was uh, was very interesting. I think this also leads into decarbonization. We just, I think, like a primer on decarbonization, the work that you've worked with a couple of, you know, entrepreneurs in this space, and also just a primer on the carbon markets in general, like carbon trade. It was something that's. Mm-hmm new to us yes, we learned 100% like yeah. i think when we uh, you were doing when we were going through your website something that picked uh, caught my eye was that there's a workshop you're doing on carbon markets and explaining that to startups etc yeah. so if and you're... yeah again like for me personally if i didn't have that work project i wouldn't know what a big market it is and h- how much it's growing and the kinds of businesses that are possible so i think again in a in a simple way what it means mm-hmm. and you know what what is the work that you're doing uh, right. in, in that space? Right, right. No, we, we do have quite a bit of startups in decarbonization. We have worked with 862 startups in our accelerators last seven years. Mm-hmm. So it's a, trem- yeah. and a lot of these are in decarbonization. Right. What does decarbonization mean? It means that whatever you're doing in terms of, let's say, it's manufacturing or if you're building infrastructure, how do you emit less greenhouse gases, right. right? That requires different business practices. It requires technology. Uh, oftentimes, our net zero goal, um, you know, I think um, we need to move there as fast as possible. We all agree we need to move there as fast as possible. Yeah. It's probably not possible for many companies to do that. Mm-hmm. So they bring in this uh, mm-hmm. a, a concept of carbon markets called an offset, meaning right. I can I can reduce my net uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 50%, but I have a commitment to go to zero. So I will buy hmm. a carbon credit that, that, uh, um, all, that, that for the balance 50%. Mm-hmm. And that credit represents action by somebody else that's positive for the environment. For example, protecting a rainforest, that's right. a carbon sink for the world. Right. So these are the, that's the role of carbon markets. It's to help, um, help people reach a net zero goal. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that it's not possible with today's technology, today's uh, alignment of, of, of policies, everything else to reach by 2070, 50, 30, or whatever anyone's goals are, corporate, mm-hmm. government, et cetera. So it's a transition or transitory kind of market to help help this process. Right. That's really interesting. Just, uh, I know we spoke about this uh, in a previous question, but we were talking about urbanization and the balance that has with climate change, for example. I think we have been talking about climate change for a while, but I think in Mumbai, especially personally for us, the conversation surrounding that really took 
a, like a peak or it really increased during, for example, the RA forest or the coastal road projects. Mm. So the argument we hear is that development is important, urbanization is important, etc. But we are still going forward, even though we are seeing so many protests, etc. We are still going forward with these um, projects, so to speak. So like, what would you say to that dichotomy or that like debate that's happening that yes, there is import mm. there, there is a certain importance in development and making the metro making the coastal road but there is also importance to know what impact this project will have like 10 15 years later right right yeah, that's a great point um i mean we need to go to a more green planet asap but we also have development mm-hmm. goals and needs so sometimes people outside of india uh look at us and say well, you still use so much coal right. Yeah. Right? right now we are of course as i mentioned earlier 90% of our new power plants last 10 years are, are renewables, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't solve the existing stock infrastructure. Yeah. So this, this, this tension is always there, yeah. right? Now, you mentioned the coastal road. It's so funny because, um, okay, there may, be a develop, there may be a positive development uh, um, um, benefits of that. Um, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I won't get into that too much. Yeah. But I will put in one angle is that if you look at the kind of uh, projections on sea level rise Mm -hmm. for Bombay. Mm -hmm. I saw one uh, looking at kind of different forecasts for 2050. That road will not be there. Yeah. (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to mind. So even if you believe that that there is a balance, we all do, right? You still have to think about climate. 100%. Yeah. Even if you believe that, well, we still need more energy, we can't get enough solar on the grid, you don't want to put a coal plant in a water-scarce district. 100%. So I think uh, even if it doesn't, it still has to be a consideration, mm-hmm. uh, this this angle of uh, climate when we're trying to reach our other development goals. I think that if one of our problems or one of our needs, not a problem, is mm-hmm. that we need more sensitivity to yeah. what that means in practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, how much risk are we taking? Yeah. Earlier today, I was talking to an insurance, some, a friend of mine who runs an insurance brokerage. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was telling me, we were talking about the fact that there's so much risk involved in the climate. How can you, how can you ensure, uh, let's say, infrastructure in Bombay, et cetera? There's a structural problem. Right. Yeah. That people may leave in five years if they're right. head of an organization. Right. That's somebody else's problem. Right. Yeah. And this is, this is sort of uh, a transition where, same thing with, with the government and development goals. Yeah. How do you bring in these important aspects of of environment sustainability, yeah, and have it understood not just at the um, prime minister or, or at a top level, but but across all these planning units, yeah, um, no, 100%. small towns everywhere. Yeah. No, also like sometimes when it's recently happened in Bombay that okay they're cutting the trees to make the metro, for example, fair enough. But then they come up with an argument that oh we will plant so many trees. So like, do you think that is a solution? So, I just want to add to this. There was this article on the Financial Times. Was this entire? I don't know how they did it. A global study slash take slash you know cover on this planting this, this solution trees. of like, okay, I'll plant so many trees. I don't no, understand no, it, a, but like... not in a bad... Like, they visualized it, saying that, you know, for example, you can, for your birthday, I can gift you and like someone somewhere will plant 100 trees. But the conclusion was, yes, of course, there it makes a difference, but A, there's not enough space to do this. B, you can't trace it. C, it takes years and years and years to do it. So I, I found that really interesting because you don't think of it, right? It, it's like a, it's a positive thought when you, when you read it 
you understand there's not too much to it but when i saw it visualized they actually showed it on a map and i and i and then i understood that okay fine yeah that is like the easiest solution you can take saying that okay i, I am plant so many so and so trees because when i when we i read anything like that honestly personally like agitates me in the sense that i appreciate the sentiment i appreciate the thought but then like i have a friend who's recently really got into farming and i see even for her to make a like you know grow a tomato how long it takes so you are saying that you will make x amount you will grow x amount of trees and how long that will take and when will we see that impact we are first going to see the impact of the trees removed i know yeah. we went on a little tangent <laughs> but like this solution that's thrown about do you think that actually makes a difference or we are looking at it in a wrong way yeah No, I mean, there's so many, God, uh, so many important topics or points uh, in what you were talking about. You can never cut a tree and plant it somewhere else and think exactly. that you've equalized it. Exactly. Like, for example, uh, um, you know, I used to live in Singapore, mm -hmm. and Singapore is pretty well developed. It's right. crowded right. in the same way, but it doesn't feel crowded. Mm -hmm. If you go to Orchard Street, the one thing that happens at 6 p.m. is you can barely hear yourself because there's so many birds yeah. chirping. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They do not cut down trees because it's part of their, you know, yeah. uh, and it's not that they planted the trees mm -hmm. in their development. They don't cut it, yeah. 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 So you yeah. can't cut a tree because yeah. you lose so much. Exactly. Yeah. It's a whole ecosystem by itself, right? Yeah. But I think we can also now shift gears individually. We had a, a, a question, Stash just wanted to put it forward to you. If someone is, you know, like us, well, would do their part, you know, as part of whatever company they are, support goals. But individually, what do you think, you know, A, where can they get educated and B, like what kind of steps can they take to, to be a part of the solution? And yeah. also just adding on to what Ko is saying, I think we saw that you do work in trying to showcase, uh, make corporate startups, etc., try to uh, calculate the impact that they will make from a climate perspective. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm just asking, is there any way we can do that on an individual level so that we understand personally how much we are putting out there so then how we could change? Yeah, right. And, and you know, um, that's whatever we can do to help, for example, uh, reduce our own contribution to, to greenhouse gases, that's positive. Even if many other problems, for example, the power sector, Hmm. We don't influence the power sector. Yeah. What happens is that the values that come out of this, the societal values, if we are behaving climate friendly, will impact yeah. how the government thinks about coal plants, how corporates will think about their supply chains, et cetera. So it's important, doubly so. Hmm. Now, I'll give you some, I don't know if this is good or bad news, but <laughs> <laughs> there was a Swedish study, I think this was about five to seven years ago, and they tried to understand as consumers, what are the most important things we can do right. yeah. to, um, to, to reduce our impact on greenhouse gases? Huh. And they picked four. Take public transport, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. eat less meat, Mm -hmm. Don't Great. travel overseas <laughs> for for leisure. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you ever look at the uh, uh, GHG greenhouse gas emissions from international flights, it's huge it's, compared to. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. it could be as much as your entire home yeah. emissions yeah. one year versus yeah. one trip overseas. And the fourth one is have less babies. Uh -huh. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. So, but. Uh, I think that's actually, though, in our generation, that is 
a big consideration. I I have a lot of friends who yeah. who for this reason do not want to have yeah, children. Yeah, no. Like, personally, I think we have had this conversation. Like we had this age where we are talking about settling down or like getting married, having kids, etc. But then when I think about okay, what what is the fu- the future going to look like if i'm going to bring a child into this world it is honestly so scary to even comprehend i'm just like maybe not like adopt yeah, yeah. a child who maybe is more in need but maybe switching little gears <laughs> um we are talking a lot we spoke about like personal responsibility and all and yes we can maybe do those four things that you mentioned and outlined in the swedish study but do you think like there's this debate right that personal responsibility versus like a collective change uh with companies and also do you think that if enough people are energized like you mentioned that will impact like what companies do what government does or do you think that even enough people uh do get energized but that if the companies or the government etc don't get on board then it's not going to make any change right right um i was in films before and mm-hmm. uh, one of the things i learned about films is a review outside from from a critic or someone else from outside someone you don't know is hardly as powerful as your friend who comes and tells mm-hmm. you I like that movie. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. So we do need collective action in that sense because it may reinforce or or add synergies to what we do. But the more we can do it individually, yeah. um what we'll see is that it's powerful as a growth in our community. Yeah. And so the influence as well, right? It, yeah. yeah, it'll it'll be more powerful. One, this, 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 these, this, the um, your community values that you're sharing, the, the small communities, yeah. your friend circle, or your yeah. college, etc. So I, 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 that's why I generally like um, this idea of of starting with yourself as much as you can. Yeah, you know, that's hard. Yeah, I've been struggling to figure out how to reduce my meat consumption. Right. Uh, I have, you know, I, you know. In fact, if I see a now today a a veg option. Yeah. You know, um now they're the better for a burger I'll take it. Yeah. But uh it took a while to get to there. Yeah. I mean I'm struggling the same like <laughs> yeah. I like if I have to look at like a vegetarian option versus like a meat option it honestly it's, it's like you know you have to rewire your mind to yeah. work in that way. I would always pick the meat option but now if you have to think of it from a larger perspective you have to really rewire your mind in the sense okay this is why I'm choosing this. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I think that our our actions can be much more powerful than we think. I uh, yeah. I know that sometimes we're waiting for big solutions or yeah. a collective action <laughs> and someone tell telling us to join that. Yeah. But in fact, today we could start, you yeah. know, uh, even if it's a struggle. Yeah. You know, it's like many year struggle. I have this intense need I grew up this way to want to travel and see all the, right. yeah. you know, seven wonders of the uh, ancient world. <laughs> and now I'm living in this climate world. Yeah. Where how do I balance this? So maybe yeah. I try to travel as much locally as possible. Right. I do try to get one year, once a year, go out, even if I could do more, you yeah. know, yeah. financially. Yeah. But that is not easy too. Yeah. So I think, I think um, uh, if, we, if we focus on ourselves, it's e- yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 maybe on some of those topics, going back to sort of the work that we support, there are so many entrepreneurs. 
you mentioned that there's a where uh, there's something happening in climate tech the last one two years. Yes, it's absolutely amazing. When I started, there was maybe fifty climate tech entrepreneurs in India. Right. Today, there's something like three thousand. Right. We would also like love to hear about like two or three or how many ever like uh, startups that you have funded or you have supported through your accelerator program that are doing amazing work and you feel like you want to share spotlight yeah. or highlight or or any. of them like you know what i love is that you're so positive about it so any any of them that like i'm sure all inspire you but any that are top of mind or or events slash places you've been like we saw you in kashmir uh doing so i think just shedding yeah. a light on that would be interesting right right i mean uh, uh, a a nice little story i was in maldives um maldives is so small yeah. you know it's 4 lakh people maybe right. and maybe 2 lakh in in mali and we were running a entrepreneurship program um and in a break someone came to me and said this was a break one of the entrepreneurs said wait you go and do um, i'm a startup coach as well right. so right, you go right, and, right. and and talk to all these entrepreneurs meet people who are doing all this in- interesting innovative stuff mm-hmm. and you tell them you just tell them your life stories that's how we put my training yeah you know? okay it is kind of when you do coaching you're yeah. like here's what here's how i messed up maybe you can learn from it yeah Uh, and you're calling that a job, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's kind of struck me like it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't feel like it. What I've seen is the breadth of innovation. So I, I know that, uh, um, for example, um, there's a nice one. I use it as an example because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, Brook and Bloom, uh, this is 2019, a Delhi-based organization. They took the devotional flowers in, in uh, Banaras mm-hmm. yeah. that they throw into the water, which yeah. is so bad for, of course, yeah. Uh, marine life, etc. It's a waste, of pollution, and they created fertilizer for right. farmers. Right. Okay, great. Then they came to our accelerator and said, "But I can't sell this; it's too expensive." Uh-huh. Right, right. How can yeah. how can a small group compete with the fertilizer giants? Yeah. So we kind of sat down, and that's what an accelerator does, and says, "What exactly are, are you selling, and what were they selling?" Tell me when I when you hear what actually were they selling. What actually were they selling? Was it fertilizer? It was what? reusing the flowers, right? It was well, yeah. even more. It's some connection to spirituality. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, it came yes. from a temple. Temple. It's like oh. the brand fool as well, right? And yeah, yes. the, yeah, 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 yeah. So this was uh, our startup. Was called Brook and Bloom. Um, yeah. They um, eventually targeted um, upper middle class. Terrace gardens in Delhi. Who will say I want not right. fertilizer, not the I want that connection to spirituality, right. temples, etc. So it's just that connect that made or reframing, reframing yeah. of like marketing, what, mm-hmm. yeah, and and also knowing who to sell it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you look at the breadth of solutions, you're talking about uh, companies that create digital twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital twin means like you know, like a like a discom electric utility. Mm-hmm. All their assets. Let's make it into a virtual right. kind of. Uh, um, you know, uh, model. Yeah. And then you can manage your utility nicely. You're seeing that in architecture more and more people right. are building these digital twins to manage buildings for energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. Of course, lots of upcycling from everything from tires to to uh, um, agro-waste. Um, right. yeah. ca- captured carbon. I think uh, uh, Carbon Craft is a great startup of ours. They take captured carbon, yeah. create these carbon tiles. 
Yeah. So they capture carbon and then make it into yeah. some sort of cement, and then those are tiles. Yeah. So uh, they don't capture. They 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 someone else captures carbon, but they create the product. Uh-huh. And they're putting it in retail shops. So uh-huh. um, you know, um, of course, on the EV side, we see so many different uh, EV products yeah. coming out, charging stations. Um, yeah. We're seeing a lot of people using um, satellite decision making platforms, for example. Um, slipping my mind it's one of my favorite startups too so basically he's a uh, ISRO scientist so they take the data from uh, satellites and they can help farmers say especially in large fields you have a potential pest detected well before what normally happens someone has to walk through and they see already the signs of what the pest must have done by the yeah the the, the radiation or uh, the uh, uh, spectral sign Uh will tell you that or it may tell you, hey, this 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 patch needs more water. Yeah. Oh. This patch has too much fertilizer. Yeah. And imagine the savings cut by you mentioned your friend doing regenerative regenerative farming. farming. Yes. This is how we can at least maybe not get to that, but at least reduce all these yeah. chemicals we're yeah. putting in our plant. Also know how to save on our water. Like where do we actually need it? That's Tremendous cool. amount of technology uh, really on data cool. in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Across oh. the board. I think uh, t- talking about startups, another thing that jumped out to us was that you want to take an ecosystem approach to when you're like funding the startups or advising them in your accelerator, etc. Just what w- you want to double down on what you mean by that. Right. All right. So we do have a unique model. And that's that's because when we started, nobody really was doing much. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I tell people what we do, it's, it's kind of like they can't believe <laughs> that we run accelerators yeah i think we run half the accelerators of india last seven years you know in clean tech i should say we have two fundraising platforms uh we do impact measurement um solution that nobody as as far as i know has in india or Mm -hmm. even asia we have that women in climate entrepreneurship program so uh, uh, for for removing early stage barriers right right we have a jobs board called Climate Jobs Board because startups need yeah. um, talent as well. It's hard mm-hmm. to get talent to, into startups, yeah. especially a nascent field like clean tech where mm-hmm. people are like, what is that? What is it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they know fintech or they know what e-commerce <laughs> yeah. is, but they may not know. And that's a yeah. challenge to get people to, to, to join. We run a lot of events. Uh, yeah. You may have heard of Climate Startup Week. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's about 2,500 people in about 45 events that happen over three weeks in September. Yeah. And when this is our fourth year, so events are growing. So the ecosystem approach means it's hard being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's one. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we step back, I've been an entrepreneur myself. It's not just going to give me some coaching on this topic on marketing or can you help me raise funds? It's even stuff like, I just want to meet more people. Mm -hmm. A nice uh, startup, we had an event in March. We do Climate Startup Week twice a month, twice a year, sorry. She came and I met her two weeks later and she said, you know what? I was at one of the uh, offline events at, at in March at Climate Startup Week and I met someone and I'm gonna, uh, they're going to help me build this product or go to this new market together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just by getting people together. Yeah. Power of networking. Uh, yeah. Just uh, like getting all the people right-minded who have a similar goal in mind in the same room. Yeah, so that's sort of our ecosystem approach is really that knowing that the startup journey is yeah. hard. And when I say entrepreneur, I'm really proud for those who stick with it. It's not yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. I've been bankrupt twice. Yeah. You know, so it's a, I know what bankruptcy is like. <laughs> it's, it's hard. And I know what, even most of the successful startups that I know, how hard it has been. Yeah. It's always, 
it's always easier to look at them from the outside when they when when you see their success. But there were patches, perhaps they said, "Let me stop." It makes no yeah. sense. There's no money. You're questioning everything. Yeah. yeah. So I I always applaud entrepreneurs that stick at it, and we try to figure out all the ways in that startup journey, especially that early stage, yeah. where to support we, them and yeah. take them forward yeah. in a way. Yeah. So that's our ecosystem approach. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Is ever just so inspired <laughs> hearing you speak, but oh, we are right on time. Yeah, but we, uh, I think we can just end by we do this normally yeah. whenever we do our podcast. Is like, oh, how would you think you are a work in progress? And also, like, if there's anything personally you want the our listeners to take away from this whole conversation, like some things they can do or some things they should keep in mind moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, what was the first part of how that? How you a work in progress, or how is the work you're doing a yeah. work in progress? Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, when we're talking about something like climate change mm-hmm. and something that, whenever a nonprofit has an impact goal, justice or ending poverty, you never reach a goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. So we're always learning how to get better at what we do. Yeah. And I think the team we have, we're about 40, almost 40 people now. Mm-hmm. They're really good and really passionate and it makes me really proud yeah. to see them. But we have so much work left yeah. in front of us. So I, I guess that's... Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're always a... A work in progress. in progress. Exactly. But for those uh, listeners out there who are interested in the cl- climate tech space in particular, whether you're interested in being an entrepreneur or whether you want to support it, invest in them, look at products, this is the decade for, for climate in many ways. Mm-hmm. We're going to see transformations in terms of um, what we consume, how we live. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you, you know that what, I forget what it's called, that small house movement. People are giving up their big homes to be in smaller uh-huh. homes because yeah, yeah, they yeah. can become closer to each other as families yeah. and all all these you're going to see accelerate uh, in oh, such a strong way. So I I, I wish that uh, everyone here keeps up with what's happening. It's an exciting space, yeah. and I believe it's going to touch us more and more through what we eat, what we what we Absolutely. wear. I believe a lot of us uh, we're going to see a lot more entrepreneurs coming from these <laughs> listeners uh, as yeah. as clean tech is now on one of the bigger sectors in India. Yeah, mm-hmm. as yeah. well in terms of startups um, already today. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Stay engaged. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We will ensure that. <laughs> but thank you so, so, so much. We are just eternally grateful. And I mean, even throughout the conversation, I think we're both just so excited yeah. um, that you've agreed, you know, to come and and we've learned a lot. And of course, we are going to keep up with everything that you do. But yeah, just thank you so much for agreeing uh, and, and just giving us such an insightful conversation. Thank you. Honestly, it's been really... In inspiring also and also very eye-opening I feel like for us and for our listeners as well because it is an exciting space it's not all doom and gloom there are things that are happening there's lots to look forward to so we, we'll uh, hope to keep uh, keep up with you and whatever is happening and keep everyone engaged <laughs> <laughs> nice. but thank you so much no thank you uh, I do like to always end with a nice quote because uh, it kind of summarizes sort of um what work we do and what we believe everyone should think about in terms of the climate and solution side. Mm-hmm. It's from Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. The best way to predict the future is to build it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah.